You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're taking off a box on the 2023 Reading Glasses Challenge. Reading reading glasses, glasses. Uh, (laughs) Try out some background music. Plus, we're interviewing author Liz Karen, and we're recommending some long-ass books. <laughs> Honker time, baby. Mm-hmm. But first, what are you reading, Bria? <laughs> well, if anyone listened to our halftime episode, I was like, you were like, what books do you want to be reading? Do you think you're going to like? Do, what might have made it on this list if you'd gotten to them? And one was the hot dog book. Oh, my God. Are you reading I'm the reading, hot dog book? I'm reading Raw Dog by Jamie Loftus, uh, which is... Amazing. It's so good. Um, so someone, one of the glassers, maybe more than one, but they were def- somebody was reading it on our um, Zoom call that we did. And yes. uh, I was like, been oh, a big right. glasser book. That hot dog book. I forgot about it. And God damn, it is funny. It is funny, but also like it is, it's about hot dogs. It's about this woman, Jamie. It's a, it's a micro history of the hot dog. It goes from, you know, um, the history of it to this, and, it, and then it follows the author, this woman. Yeah, she drives across America with her boyfriend and her dog and her cat, I believe, too, as they stay in like crap motels and eat hot dogs all day. And it's like partially about the different ways hot dogs, you know, are consumed across America. It's also about um, the uh, meat industry, so not for the faint of heart. It is also about um, racism in America. It's, it like, covers everything from, and then like uh, all these, you know, uh, myths about the hot dog uh, and the way that we're like, we've somehow created this like, oh, hot dogs are invented by people who like lifting themselves up by their own bootstraps, but like that's not actually the case. And um, anyway, it's just like a really fascinating uh, look at that. But also her relationship seems on the rocks. I'm only like a quarter of the way through it. So I'm like, what's going to happen? Uh, so it's a little bit of herself injected into this history. That hot dog tension. History of the hot dog. We need a word for this because you also write this kind of book and Mary Roach writes this kind of book. But it's like a micro history or history, but also the person is putting themselves in the book. What is it called? I don't know. It's funny because I have written, like, my first book is that, and we don't know, there isn't a word for it. I guess a guided microhistory? Yeah, or it's almost like an autobiographical, it's like a microhistory. memoir? um, But it's like a microhistory mixed with a memoir or mixed with autobiography because it's also, like, she's stopping in, you know, this place that's themed like a circus that requires certain, you know, things to put on the hot dog. And she's, it's her, it's her, like, figuring it out. And going these places and, like, also her relationship and, like, anyway. It's just, like, I don't know. There has to be a word for this, but we'll have to figure out what it is. Anyway, that's what I'm reading. Yeah, I'm I loving mean, it. again, as the author of The Lady from the Black Lagoon, we we went, I went through this with my, with my publisher. There is no term for it. Mm. I would say, yeah, uh, history memoir, guided microhistory. Guided is kind of interesting because it is, like, you're you're going, it's like you're with them. You know, like you're going with them as they're learning yeah. all this stuff um, or with you because you wrote a book like this too. So yeah, guided or like, um, yeah, I'm not sure. But it's it's great. It's fantastic. Anyone who likes nonfiction or I had, can I just say from the beginning, I have no interest in the history of the hot dog. Not, not a bit of interest. So the fact that this is 
holding my interest means so much to uh, Jamie's writing. Yeah, for a vegan to read a history of yeah. a hot dog is pretty impressive. <laughs> it's true, and it's fascinating because it's you know it go it, there's also it goes back to like meatpacking and like all this and the reason we have it anyway it goes back to you know German sausages and just the history of food is very interesting to me. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? I also got a tip from the Glassers and from you, and I am finally hopping on that fairy bandwagon. I am reading Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett. And you all were fucking right. It's a great, it's a great book. Come on into the <laughs> fairy land. It's super fun. It, it is, it's just so fun. You love the main character right away. She is, I would, I, I and I've seen some people talk about this. I would almost call her neurodivergent. Like she is. I think she- yeah, I don't think that they say that. She says that specifically, but yes, I agree. Yeah, she has a hard time figuring out people's expressions and intentions. And she's like this curmudgeonly lady who's just trying to uh, figure out or, or write her encyclopedia of fairies and do her field research in a Norwegian cold village. And she's trying to study these like special fairies that are in this like mountainous wintry town. And uh, she has to deal with her colleague who is like very, very charming and frustratingly attractive. And she keeps getting like uh, pulled into these mysteries and problems of the townspeople that have to do with fairies. And they, of course, want her to solve them. And she doesn't want to help anybody. She just wants to do her research, which I actually really relate to. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just so fun. It's so great. And I am really looking. I like I have I haven't finished it, but I know that there's um. Uh, the next book is coming out next year, and I can't wait. I'm so oh, excited. Great. Great. Uh, so thank you, Bria. Thank you, Glassers. Uh, that's Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett. And mine is Raw Dog by Jamie Loftus. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Bria, we got some really important follow-up from the person who wrote in to ask for Wheel of Time recommendations. Okay. And they were named after a yes. Wheel of Time character. Let us know what was happening here. And we were like, did you name yourself? Yeah. What is going on here? So it's from Alana. And Alana wrote in, hi, Brian Mallory. I finally caught up and listened to episode 293 and heard your recommendation for breaking me out of my Wheel of Time book slump. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to read these new books. I actually muscled my way out of the slump by reading Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn series, which I highly recommend. Sanderson finished writing their Wheel of Time series after Robert Jordan passed away. So his writing style was familiar and it helped ease me into a help ease me into loving a new world. Right. It also helped that I got a book journal for Christmas and as a very checklist-oriented person, it was really motivating to see my list of books that I have read grow. My mom named me after Alana in the Wheel of Time books and yeah. I resisted reading them for a long time, okay. but I'm so glad I finally did. I now own her collection of the series and it is so well-loved the bindings are falling apart. It's my dream to rebind them one day with some fancy leather covers. Thanks so much for your endless positivity and reading encouragement. I've gotten so many good recommendations from you and have dumped all book guilt forever. This is so cool. How wild is it that your mom loved a series and named you after it and then you start reading it I reluctantly know. and then you become obsessed with it? I love that. It's fantastic. I love it. So cool. Yay. Okay, well, I'm glad we also figured out what was going on because we were like, maybe Alana named, like, like chose Which that name based respect. on the book. Yeah. So Kayla wrote in and said, I just wanted to let you know about a bookshop I recently discovered in my state, Oregon. Books Around the Corner is self-described as a disability 
slash woman-owned spooky independent bookstore that's recently Ooh. moved completely online. The store owner has a background as a librarian and offers themed monthly book bundles and online book clubs. This sounds great. This year, they launched their Read It program, where one of the perks for completing your goal is a gift certificate for your own, wait for it, personal pan pizza from Ooh. Pizza Hut. I thought you both enjoy hearing about, uh, hearing that at least one bookstore is continuing the personal pan pizza prizes. And I thought Mallory especially would enjoy hearing about the spooky slash Halloween themed bookstore. Oh, link in the show notes for listeners, but also for me. I want to check this out. This is amazing. Gresham. Or it was in Gresham because it's all online. Wow. Yeah. Right here. The 2023 Read It program is right here. This is amazing. Uh, You can join. It looks like. You sign up with your personal reading goal. When you reach your goal, you get a button, you get a certificate, and your own personal pan pizza gift certificate will be mailed. Wow. Fantastic. And they also have their own, uh, if you want to join their reading program, they have various things like this month, read a book that's being adapted into a TV show. Next month is read a book published in 2023. Great. Love it. Wow. This, I mean... Talk about a bookstore that gets it. Mm-hmm. I am going to check this out as soon as we're done recording. Then Nick wrote in with Wheelhouse and to say, Hi, Brian Mallory, longtime listener since 2019. I recently listened to the episode on seasonal reading where you wondered why wintertime feels like fantasy book time, and I think I have the answer. Ooh. All three Lord of the Rings movies came out in mid-December between 2001 and 2003, oh, like I could ever forget. And those same years, the Harry Potter movies also came out in November. Mm-hmm. I think this is why for many of us, myself included, wintertime is fantasy fantasy time by the way thanks for everything you do on the show you've helped me fall in love with reading again over the last few years and you've even helped me keep reading more during grad school i couldn't have done it without you my wheelhouse is a work in progress but includes fantasy ya real self-help uh disaster lesbians (laughs) (laughs) japanese culture micro histories memoirs and period pieces nick we are so happy to help and i think this is a good theory because i think that for a certain generation it was like wintertime meant either a new harry potter movie or a new lord of the rings movie for many years maybe it's also that they wore pelts did we talk about that already what they were you know they wear a lot of pelts and like you only wear those in the winter you know pelts and leather it's not like anybody's Real running around going, in a fantasy out on left field <laughs> just saying could be could be a lot of pelt heavy books yeah they are all they were pelts in harry potter no you're right well didn't ha- hagrid they would do wear cloaks though didn't hagrid wear pelts Hel- cloaks. hagrid is a pelt okay okay you're right cloaks well cloaks or pelts or like you know thick leather <laughs> in various you know depending on what you're doing <laughs> All right, we have several theories. You know, all theories are valid. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Winter movies and pelt-forward literature. (laughs) So quick bookmark from Bria. Quick bookmark from me. um, On July 8th and 9th, which which is right around the corner when this comes out, um, I did a virtual panel for a, a horror conference called Access Horror, which is... Um, all about um, disability and horror. And um, I can't remember which day my panel is on. I want to say it's the 8th, but I talked about- We can put a link in the show notes. Yeah, but I talked about who gets to define horror and what horror means. And um, I'm on a panel with all sorts- Oh, it's it's on the 8th. I'm on a panel with all sorts of really cool people, um, but we just got to talk. If you love horror, uh, that think this is a great thing, you can buy, and it's all online. You can just watch it online. 
Um, this is a, and I think there's also a, a film festival that is uh, accompanying it. Um, totally worth going and checking out um, accesshorror.com if you want to check it out. It's about horror and disability. That sounds awesome. All right, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we tick off another box on the 2023 Reading Glasses Challenge, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Dipsy. Hey, Glassers. Are you a huge romance fan, big erotica fan, always looking for new books, new stories, new authors. Maybe you have always been curious about romance and erotica, but you have no idea where to start. You have no idea what's in your wheelhouse. You just really don't know how to dive into that sexy pond. (laughs) Well, Dipsy has got you covered. It is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. It is radically inclusive, and Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners. You know we love that. And 56% of their stories are voice acted by people of color. They also have soothing sleep stories and wellness sessions and sexy stories that you can read. But we all know you're really here for the short, sexy audio stories. We love Dipsy. We think it's an absolutely great app. It's designed very very, very well. It is designed in a way that appeals to people who read tons and tons of romance. And for people that have never tried the genre and are trying to find what they like, you can search by wheelhouse item, whether it's type of protagonist or type of situation. It's so much fun. It is so well designed. It's so great to listen to. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash glasses. That's dipsystories.com slash glasses. Glasses. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal, only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. This week, we're ticking off another box on the 2023 Reading Glasses, Glasses, Glasses Challenge. Try reading with background music. What are the best things to listen to while you read? Can music help you focus or get you deeper into the story? And how did we complete this part of the challenge? So first off, we want to remind folks of the rules for this challenge task. We know glassers are very concerned with making sure they do things right. All you have to do is try it. You don't have to read a whole book with music in the background or even a whole chapter. You just have to try it for a few minutes. And I do want to say, someone wrote in to ask if you are um, visually impaired and you only listen to audiobooks. Uh, my recommendation for completing this part of the challenge is listening to an audiobook that is a uh, dramatization. So it's got like hmm. sound effects and background music. And so uh, we'll do a segment on the show in the future with recommendations for that. But there are tons of those out there. Um, I'm pretty sure the new Sandman it adaptation is. is like that. Yeah. 
uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which is really cool. Um, I think uh, Andy Stevenson's Nimona is like that. But try to find an audiobook that has some some background noise, mm-hmm. something else going on back there. Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds really funny. I don't know why he said it like that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So you don't have to if you are doing a ebook or print book. You don't have to do the whole thing and you can use any kind of music or soundscape you want. You can define what music and sound is. Um, so, Bria, why do we put this on the challenge this year? Well, people kept writing in wanting to talk about background music. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about background music on the show before. People, uh, people, a lot of glassers use video game music or soundscapes and they say it helps them to concentrate while reading. So we thought we should try it for ourselves and we thought everyone might want to try it. And there's a lot of different things to try. One thing we recommend is to try to see if the author of the book has made a playlist for it. Yeah. There's a lot of authors who do this, uh, one of your Reading Glasses hosts included. Um, they, you know, make a playlist to set the mood for themselves while they're writing, and then they end up releasing the playlist online for readers to listen to while they're reading it. And... Um, I think it's really cool. I like doing this myself as an author and I like checking. It's always, even if I don't want to listen to it, I do like looking at what the authors play, like what in the author's mind is like the vibe for the book. Yeah. I think a lot of creative people, I do this for movies where I just make playlists for myself to listen to during, while prepping and while working on movies that sometimes play into the movies later. Sometimes they have nothing to do with the movies. It's just kind of what I feel like is inspirational. I mean, it gets me in the mode for the movie. Um, I think uh, also check out, there's a lot of readers who make playlists, unofficial playlists for books. Um, If you are looking for one of those, you can just go uh, Google the title of the book plus playlists um, and it can get you into a mood for that book. Or you can at least just kind of reach, see what other people are thinking when they're reading that book. Yeah, it's always cool to see what what people think the energy of that book is. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And if you are like my boyfriend who cannot listen to lyrics while you're reading, he is like, Jeremy thinks it's like a superpower of mine. He can I, absolutely not listen to Are you the same way? Oh, yeah. I cannot listen to lyrics. I can't even listen to music. We'll get to that in a second. But, yes, I cannot. <laughs> definitely not lyrics and usually not. And no, honestly, I can't listen to anything while I'm reading. But. Silence. Cone of silence. Co- yeah, just silence. Even when I'm working, I try to put on, like, cool, like, music in the background. But, yeah, if there's lyrics, no. That's that's awful. Well, if that is you, um, we are recommending video game soundtracks because mm-hmm. uh, as many glassers have written in, video game soundtracks are designed to play in the background while you read things and figure out puzzles. Uh, so maybe try finding a game that is in the same genre as your book and listen to that soundtrack, but that is a good way to uh, to, to try this, maybe get into it. As well as um, movie scores. There's so many great oh, yeah, movie yeah. scores, especially if it's one that like maybe is similar to the book or you'll just find movie scores. Like there's so many scores that I just really love and I will put those on when I'm trying to do some work. It's like the only thing I can actually put on. Um, and don't forget about soundscapes. Uh, YouTube mm-hmm. and Spotify, they're full of these. It's just hours of like sounds of a medieval tavern or or spooky haunted woods. And these videos, they're long. They're like an hour long. They'll have soft mm-hmm. music. They have little environmental sounds like, you know, the, the tinkling of glasses. Or maybe if it's like a cozy, you know, tavern, it might have some fire crackling or nature noises if you're in the woods. There's all sorts of great, the, these people are out there creating these things just for you. You can find the one you're looking for. So, Bria, you already spoiled it a little bit, but how did you complete this part of the challenge? I haven't done it yet. I have not done it. It's been on my list to do. I'm kind of doing the reading glasses challenges in order, and I haven't gotten back past um, 
read the book of someone close, favorite book of someone close to you. I haven't gotten that. I'm, I'm listening to one right now, but I haven't gotten through it. Um, uh, this is so hard for me because if there is music on, I just have trouble paying attention. It's one thing at a time for me. It's very, I will just find that my energy or my attention span goes elsewhere or I'll be like, well, this isn't right. And I'll go try to like fix it. It's just very hard for me, but I'm planning on doing it. I think a soundscape could be good for me, but also I have a playlist of soundtracks that I love, movie, movie scores. Um, there's also like some lovely person makes this one movie, like they put new songs from new movies on this one playlist. And I listen to that one all the time. So I'm always listening to new new movie scores and they pick like the best song from each new movie or not every movie, but they updated it, you know, once a week or something. Um, uh, and I thought I could pair that with a really epic book because it's usually really big scores, like very like you know, big orchestral scores could be really fun to read with an epic book. I'm going to try it. Mm. I'm going to see how it goes. I've tried it in the past. I've had a lot of trouble. I think A Crackling Fire is way better. I'm so much happier with that. But when there's a little bit of music, I just, my brain can't handle it. I get it. My boyfriend's the same way. Like, (laughs) whenever Jeremy's not home, like, that's my little treat to myself. It's, It's like as soon as he leaves, I, like, put music on so I can read too. Um, What about you? Have you done this already? This part of the challenge changed my life. Oh, wow. Uh, so if you listen to the show, you know, our, I love playing music when I read. I can read during basically anything. I read during hockey games. I can read during live events. I can read at the gym. Like, I can read. It's my, it's my only superpower. Um, so, but I, so because of that, I listen to music all the time. I wanted to try something new, and I delved into the world. I took a, a tip from the Gloucesters, and I tried the video game music thing and the soundscape thing, and I... Love them so fucking much. Mm. Now it's what I read to and it's what I write to. Oh, wow. I have like this massive YouTube playlist of like uh, Gardener's Cottage <laughs> and The Magic Bookstore in the Woods, volume four. And like, I fucking love it. It really is nice. And it's really fun to match them to the current book that I'm reading or to the current book that I'm writing. There's a couple of video game playlists that I, video game soundtracks I like. Uh, Dredge I've been really liking and Death's Door I've been really liking. Um, You better believe I put on Enchanted Fairy Cottage volume one while I was reading Encyclopedia, Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies. I really like it. I can't believe it. It's like my preferred writing thing now. I feel like we should have one of these people who make these soundscapes on the show. If you make one of these soundscapes or you know someone who does, I would be curious, like, because these people are making hours of this. Yeah, some of these are, like, four hours long. And it's, like, most of the ones that I like have, like, a little bit of soft music, but it's, like, mostly sounds of a river or, like, wind and trees or, like, a crackling fireplace. And it's just, like, oh, man, it's so cozy. Bless them. I was recently shooting something and I needed um, a... uh, like the equivalent of a green screen, but it's a gray screen, like on on my laptop. And I went to YouTube. This is just something similar. And I and I typed in gray screen, and someone had put twelve hours of a gray screen on YouTube. Weirdest part <sighs> was there were parts that were more popular. You know, you can see certain parts are more popular. <laughs> someone skipping ahead someone to get to, more to like the, a more different a different part of the gray screen. It was very weird. I don't know why they were really more popular, funny. but um. Yeah, so bless these people who are doing this kind of stuff. We're using them, y'all. We're out here using it. So thank you for making them. Yeah, I would definitely like to talk to someone. If uh, I'm trying to think of the the names of the YouTube channels, Vault of Ambience is one of them that I listen to a lot. Love it. Um, I also listen to a lot of like soundtracks and score or scores from World of Warcraft areas, mm. which 
kind of segued into this. But yeah, we love to talk to you. Uh, so send your thoughts to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to know what you are listening to, how you are completing this part of the challenge. And before we interview Liz Karen about her new book, uh, we're going to take a quick break. They can be anywhere, at your office, in your car, and they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. So here we are with Liz Karen, author of Night's Edge. Thank you so much for being here, Liz. Hi, Bria. I'm so excited. I'm a fan of the pod. And yeah, thank you for having me. Well, I'm a fan of yours. Um, First, you have to tell us, what are you reading? All right. Well, just a few days ago, I finished reading the book Nestlings by Nat Cassidy, which is a fellow Tor Nightfire book. It is a very creepy also a vampire-esque story about New York City housing and marital issues and postpartum depression. I loved it. Um, It comes out in October, so I had an arc. Um, And I'm about to start I Can't Save You, uh, which is a memoir by Anthony Chinqui and also The Insatiable Volt Sisters by uh, Rachel Eve Moulton. I'm about to go on a road trip, so I'm going to be doing a whole lot of reading. Nice, nice. So can you tell listeners about your new book, Night's Edge? Yeah. Um, so Night's Edge is a story about a girl and her mom. It's a story about coming of age, codependency, addiction. Uh, it is also a story about vampires. Uh, not looking to bury the lead here, maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> and I just want to state, uh, this is a dark yes. adult fiction. Um, it's yes. not YA. Uh, it straddles some themes about coming of age, which you would find in YA, but like if you're under age 16, maybe, maybe don't read this. I don't want to get like hate mail from your mom. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, there's been some question marks about that. But yeah, this book revolves around a young woman named Mia, whose mother Izzy was infected with an illness that uh, has symptoms that resemble vampirism. Um, and that happened when she was 10 years old. And since then, she's been offering her blood to her mom every night to keep her from harming their community and also to keep her safe from herself. And then it jumps forward in time 13 years later, Mia's now 23, and she and her mom are still doing this. And they've forged this workable life, but it's also a very codependent Mm -hmm. life that doesn't allow Mia to have much freedom. And it stunts her growth as a person. And uh, both of them start to wonder if there's something outside of what they've built. Um, And that's when all the bloody drama starts to unfold. Yes. 
I loved it. I will second it that it was dark. It was darker than I thought it was going to be, Liz. I was I was not yeah. prepared for the level of darkness, but I loved it. Um, I talked about it on the show um, a couple weeks ago. When when this comes out, it will be a couple weeks. Um, it was. Mm-hmm. It's just really. It really moved me. Um, uh, and I loved the the vampirism as a lens to look at uh, codependent relationships. I thought that was fascinating, and and just sort of the abuse and trauma in this relationship. So, were those themes? Obviously, those were themes you were looking to tackle. How do you not feel completely bummed while writing this? <laughs> Uh, great question. Um, I adopted a corgi puppy named Grace. <laughs> literally, I mean, like during the edit for this, like literally I was in a dark place and I said, you know what I need mm. is a puppy. So yes. Clementine helps just like, I like to tell people she sucker punches me with sunshine every morning. Um, right. And then when I was writing the first draft of this, which was during COVID actually, so it was 2020, I would, uh, you know, go write a super upsetting scene. And, you know, during that time, I was playing a lot of Animal Crossing, like uh, all of us were. So I would then go pull weeds on my island for an hour. And it was like this weird little meditation. <laughs> so the puppy and Animal Crossing were two things that kind of helped me process all of the dark stuff I was writing. <laughs> I, I love that. Note to everyone writing dark stuff. Get a puppy. Just get a puppy. Get a puppy. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we have, uh, this is a very Glasser related que- question, but um, we have a joke on our show that all of our listeners are named Sarah. So when I was reading your book, and that's what the vampires are called in the world, I knew I had to like talk about it, let the Glassers know. Um, I thought they, they would really like it. So can you talk a little bit more about the Sarahs? And the larger world that you created, because I feel like you made some entirely new vampire rules and also were able to talk about like how, what people would do if this actually happened and how we would change our lives or change the way our businesses and everything was kind of structured if this actually happened. Yeah. Um, so first of all, not to disappoint your listeners, but it's, it's Sarah. Oh, bummer. Well, named after the disease, which is named after the city in Russia, Saratov. But like, but like, go off. Let's have fun with it. Right. Okay. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, I, yeah. So there's, there's so much um, that I, you know, I was living, I think, in the emotional world of my characters for a while. I had conceptualized this story some time ago. short story did it as you know wanted to anyway write it as uh, an indie feature neither of those things happen now it's a book um but I wasn't feeling like I had a grasp on the world of our characters and the way the vampirism functioned until you know we were living in the year 2020 mm. and I realized you know I really needed this to feel grounded I needed our characters to feel like people who might live down the street from you um you know, so certain elements of a vampiric pandemic and just the general dystopia of it all feel so much realistic, more realistic now than maybe they would have five years ago, just considering what we've all lived through as a society. So you got in this story, things like scanners that force you to give a drop of your blood uh, in order to enter a business establishment. Um, and that kind of reminds me of when we used to have to take our temperature to get into a restaurant yeah. or try and close at a store, you know, um, totally. All of that feels real to me because it was real. Um, And then you had all this stuff about, you know, misinformation about a disease on the internet, 
all of these false prophets claiming to have all the answers, very angry people on social media trying to find resources. That's all in here too. Um, so all of that combined just makes it for me feel very lived in and very authentic. Well, I'm going to start pronouncing the Sarahs that write in. I'm going to start pronouncing them Sarah for you. <laughs> um, no, I could totally see that. It, it um, rang true to me when I was reading it. I was like, right, this is exactly how we would deal with this. Um, so Mia um, is, I, this is a coming of age, like you said, even though she's not a young person. I mean, she's young-ish. Um, but her, she's discovering her queerness sort of at a later age, which is something we actually get a lot of requests for people wanting to read books that have this as an aspect, because a lot of coming of age queer books are set in like early in, in teen, in the teen years. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what made you make that decision, uh, making it happen later for her and making her realize not just her queerness, but sort of also realizing that she's in a codependent relationship and, and trying to figure out how to get out of that at a later age. Yeah, I mean, the late blooming queerness aspect of the story was super important to me as the writer. Um, you know, one thing that childhood trauma and parentification, which is, you know, when a parent and child roles are reversed and the child is the one parenting your parent. Um, one thing that those two events can do to a person is that it really stunts our sense of who we are as like fully formed sexual adults. So for me personally, you know, I came to embrace a lot of really wonderful nuances about my own sexuality as I got older and mm. created more distance from, you know, some of the trauma that I grew up with, uh, which had stunted me. I felt like I was finally allowed to start growing up. And I think that is what's going on with Mia here, too. Um, and I was really grateful to have this creative experience because it helped me articulate a lot of important aspects about my own sexuality that had up until now kind of been, like I said, stunted by some of the factors of my upbringing. Um, mm. You know, and I'm still getting comfortable talking about this and finding the vocabulary for it. But I, I sure. think that's why late blooming queerness is so important to show in literature and TV in movies, because like you were just saying, we have a lot of great stories about, <clears throat> you know, young adolescent characters discovering who they are, who they love, etc but I want to see more characters in like their twenties and thirties and beyond who kind of wake up one day and discover this missing piece of themselves, you know? Um, so I didn't see very much of that, like in the books I was reading, as you were just saying. So I mm -hmm. was like, well, let's include it here. Cause I want it. I love that. And I love that it's here. I love, I, I absolutely adored this book. It is uh, one of my favorite books I've read of the year so far. So thank you so much for writing it. Yeah, that means, that means so much to me because I know you read just a <laughs> load of books every day of your life. I, I read some that. books. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. Last question. Uh, what is your reader wheelhouse? Like something that will make you pick up a book no matter what? Ooh, that's a great question. Okay. Um, well, as a reader, I am drawn to some things that I do write about. You know, I'm always drawn to dark, whimsical, coming-of-age stories, books about understanding your upbringing in, like, a new way. So books like uh, White Horse by Erica Wirth, um, mm. Little Eve by Katriana Ward I really liked, um, and The Book Eaters by Suni Dean. Um, those are all books that kind of hit that sweet spot for me perfectly. That being said, like, I also love reading outside my supernatural genre. So mm -hmm. like, I'm also, 
I'm also a huge fan of literary fiction and memoirs. So particularly stories that explore like this really messy gray area in relationships. So for example, books like In the Dream House or uh, My Dark Vanessa or um, Love Medicine. Those are just like singing my love language. So I know I just said a lot of things that don't nope. sound connected. That sounds totally connected. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds like the perfect wheelhouse, actually. It's great. Um, so where can people find this book? Where can people find you online? Uh, tell us everything. Okay. So um, this book is going to be released on June 20th, which is, oh my God, so soon. We're recording this June 1st. So 20 days. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, all major retailers. It's going to be in hardcover and ebook and audiobook. Um the audiobook is amazing if you're an audiobook listener. Chase Sweet Wonders, uh, who you might know from Bodies, 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 um, oh. and uh, Buckus and Generation on Apple. Um, cool. She did the audiobook and, oh my God, just blew my mind. So if, if you like audiobooks, you should listen to Chase's narration. Um, and then, yeah, so paperback is next year, but those are the three formats we've got right now. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Liz Karen, uh, and my website is LizKaren.com. Um, I'm also on TikTok sometimes, but wow. I don't update it a lot. I'm a bit of a lurker, but <laughs> I'm there. I'm there at Liz Karen author. Great. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Amanda writes in, Dear Mallory and Bria, love your show and listen every week now. I'm even working my way through the back episodes. I especially appreciate how you validate readers of every kind and with every sort of taste. You're making the world wider and sweeter for us all. I'm looking for recommendations of an unusual sort. I often hear you recommend short books to help get people out of slumps. My problem is I don't really like short books. I prefer long books or even better, long series. So I can get really invested in the characters. Any recommendations for long books and or long series? My wheelhouse is literary or historical fiction, fantasy, strong character development, romance, battles, adventures, unlikely friends, gay and queer characters, sad endings that still make you happy you went on the journey, and rich prose. Bria... What are the honkers that you are recommending? Well, I'm going with it along with a series, an old standby. There's four books in the series. There's fantasies. There's battles. There's some sad endings. Um, it's the Tower of Babel series by Josiah Bancroft, um, starting with Sinlin Ascends, which all takes, everyone's heard me talk about this one, but I just think it is really good if you like fantasy, you like battles. Um, the first one is less adventure, and then it actually becomes more and more adventurous as the books go on. So, like, the first one feels more fantasy and world buildy and character development, and then there becomes some unlikely pairings as it goes on, and then by the end, there's, like, fucking pirates. Like, shit goes, like, kind of haywire, and so I think it is a really fun one if you're looking for something super long to really, like, invest in. What about you? What what long books you got? Amanda also included some books that she liked, and uh, one of the ones was the Witcher series, and I was like, all right, honkers that are like the Witcher series, I got a call. Friend of the show, Lauren Panapinto, gonna mm. press the Lauren button. Uh, Laurent Panapinto, creative director of Orbit Books. Orbit does sci-fi fantasy books. They have uh, lots of honkers, lots so of queer honkers, lots of fantasy honkers and sci-fi honkers. Uh, and they also do the Witcher series. Um, so I was like, Lauren, I need your your thickest honker with gay characters. And she was like, Bone Shard Daughter by Andrea Stewart. Mm. Um, 
And because there's been a couple other like big fantasy series that are queer that I recommended on the show and I wanted to find something that I hadn't recommended. Love that. And she said, this is a great recommendation for someone who likes the Witcher books, huge fantasy book, lots of cool magic, great characters, romance and battles and adventures like Amanda's asking for and queer characters. So it's ticking all the boxes. It's about a female protagonist toppling an empire with forbidden magic and the magic comes at a cost. <laughs> um <laughs> and Lauren said, she says they're definite honkers and all of them are out, which is great. So there's nothing like, ooh, starting a series that all the books are out. Mm -hmm. Ooh, baby. It's a trilogy. Uh, the covers are great because, of course, because it's Lauren. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to hit for Amanda. And um, they're real big, so hopefully they'll keep her busy for a while. <laughs> Here's a question. Doesn't the magic always come at a cost? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think it does. <laughs> I think there's some books where that there's just sort of like cozy, like Legends and Lattes. The magic is kind of okay. just like okay, you're right there. Well, but there's some, there's some, there's some cost. Not a lot of cost, but <laughs> low a cost. Bit. It's a low, magic. this is a low cost magic situation. <laughs> Maybe that's really the divide between cozy fantasy and other fantasy is how much the magic costs you. <laughs> yes, that is true. How because it's going to cost regardless, but like how much does it cost? <laughs> I want expensive magic, <laughs> thousand page book. <laughs> I want high, high stakes. All right. So yeah, it's uh, The Bone Shard Daughter by Andrea Stewart. And I'm saying Sinlin Ascends, start with that one by Josiah Bancroft. So if you want us to answer your recommendation request or solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, if you want to look hot and bookish, which... Is this basically the same thing? You can go to our Void Merch store. There's all kinds of cool shirts and totes and stickers. And it directly supports me and Bria and our very hungry cats. Bria's cat collection is growing by the minute. She's going to need a lot of food. Yep. <laughs> yep. New cat. And, and if you like, oh my God, and Bria, huge oh, news. Huge news. Yes, of course. Huge news. We'll say it in the next episode too. But folks, you got us to the Sopapia. You got us there. Yes. We thank have you for achieved. That. Sopapia status. We are so excited. Next time I go down to LA, Bri and I are going to record the show, and either before or after, we're going to eat sopapias. I cannot wait. I'm really, really grateful to all of you. And trust me, your your reviews on Apple Podcasts and the pod, other podcast reviewing apps, listening apps of your choice, uh, it really means a lot to us and really helps us out. And now we're over 1,500. We're going to have to find something to do at 2,000. But for now, we're going to eat some sopapias. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast. On Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading.